listening to the Faith Matters Podcast from Clearview Church, where we explore everyday faith in a complex world. Our goal is to strengthen and equip followers of Jesus just like you through practical and theological discussions and resources about important matters of faith in our complicated and our complex world. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or Spotify, and you can follow Clearview Church on Instagram and Facebook. And now, here's our latest episode of the Faith Matters Podcast. Welcome to the Faith Matters Podcast. I'm Elaine, and I hope that today's episode will help you explore everyday faith in this complex world. We're so excited to welcome one of Clearview's longtime members and a close personal friend of mine, Evelyn DeMoss. Ev is a registered psychotherapist who graduated from Tyndale University and Seminary with a Master's of Divinity and Clinical Counseling. Ev currently works at Cornerstone Family Counseling, a counseling center that helps many people who are struggling with trauma, anxiety, depression, or other family relationships. We're so delighted to welcome you to the podcast today. Welcome, Ev. Thank you. Maybe it's good we to be can, here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Yeah. Maybe we can start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm married and I have two adult sons. Um, and I have been working in this sort of field with uh, kids and families for about mm, 20 something years. Wow. Started back in 1989 working for Children's Aid and then the Ministry of Education for um, a number of years, just working with children who struggled with social, emotional, and academic uh, struggles. Um, and in turn, you saw lots of anxiety and lots of issues with family and parents and that. So, um, And then once my children were in school full-time, I decided to go back to school um, to get my master's. And that's when I did that. And uh, then I've been working as a therapist for um, a number of years now. So... Wow, yeah. quite yeah. the journey. <laughs> yes, it has been. You know, God is so good because, um, you know, it's, it's, he has guided me through the journey in places that I never thought that I would be. So, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what he does in your life, you know? Yeah. Well, as you know, it's the beginning of September. And for many, it's a time of transition back to work from summer vacation, back to school, back to routines. And for many, back to busy. And with the busy, there often comes heightened stress and anxiety. And Ev, we're just wondering, in your practice, have you noticed more people struggling with stress and anxiety? Yeah. Um, so typically, I would say, you know, our end of September, October, November gets very busy in our center. Um, many people are settling back into that routine. And then after the summer, they want to come and they're like, oh, we're back to all of this busyness and going back to school and responsibilities. And um, so they want to come and work through some of that. Um, I think we've also seen um, since COVID a heightened intensity mm -hmm. in stress and anxiety, mm -hmm. um, particularly in our youth. Uh, school has been really difficult, and so we do see uh, more of that, I think. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You hear a lot about that in the news, right? Uh, kids struggling with anxiety, depression, so, yeah, different things like that. Maybe, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what else are you seeing then? Yeah, so I think, so I primarily work with individuals, women, children, and uh, some men, and I and I work based um, in trauma impact and um, people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, um, some stress. And so, um, some of it is related to school performance. Some of it is because they see social media and they're on a lot of social media. And, uh, some of it is, uh, what I see is related to, um, a lot of internal dialogue. And this internal dialogue becomes quite negative. And that feeds this place of shame or not good enough, and they're comparing to other people. And when they start to compare to other people and they have this negative internal dialogue, the anxiety goes up. So you take a, a child who's going to school and they might be saying, oh, well, I'm not good enough in sports or the students are going to laugh at me or I can't get this math or the teacher's not going to like me. And so they have this negative internal dialogue. Sometimes they're aware of it. Sometimes they're not even conscious of it mm. um, because it happens so quickly. And so they start to hear this and they start to talk they start to internalize this dialogue and that creates the stress and anxiety hmm. because they might not be performing as they think they ought to be in comparison to what they see. Right. So it's the, it's the comparison piece, which causes it or like, what, what do you think causes that internal dialogue to go? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, first of all, I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about, um, is I use this um, modality called cognitive behavioral therapy. And in that therapy, it states that our thoughts impact our feelings, which then impacts our behavior, our actions. We have over 6,000 thoughts a day. And according to some studies, 80% of those thoughts are negative. Wow. So, and of those 6,000 thoughts, 95% are repetitive. So imagine what we have is this negative thinking all the time. Now, we can say we live in a fallen, broken world, so the enemy has a lot of play in there mm -hmm. with these thoughts and can be, you know, the father of lies. So he sneaks in these, these thoughts and builds on that. We can look at it from social media where we see people you know, having this wonderful life because it's all happy on social media and we think, why are we not this way, mm -hmm. right? And I had a colleague who once said to me, children are wonderful observers, terrible interpreters. <laughs> and so when they're observing what's happening in, this, in the playground or in the classroom or whatever and they're not getting what others are getting, that negative internal dialogue begins, Right. So when when do you think it becomes, um, I, I'm going to say a quote unquote problem? Like at what what point um, 
do you think a parent should say, hey, I'm noticing this about my kid? Or, or maybe you can even, let's back up for a second. Like, what are some things that if I as a parent um, see in my child that, like, how, how would I know that this internal dialogue is going on? Like, what do I mm. look for? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. how do I notice? And, and then at what point do I step in and, and help intercede for my kid? Or, or maybe you can give us some tips on that. What, what should we yeah. do as a parent? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I would say it's not only children who have this internal mm-hmm. dialogue. I meet many, many people who have what I would call the inner critic. So we talk about the inner critic in in therapy and um, people begin to recognize, oh, okay, I have this inner critic. Um, That's the negative dialogue. So if parents can be aware already of what their inner critic is saying to them Mm. or their negative dialogue, then they can have conversations with their kids about some of this. And then they can look for different signs. Some of it doesn't have to be, um, I'm going to say, dramatic, right? It doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be just these subtle things where kids will say, well, I suck, or Johnny's better than me, or the teacher really doesn't like me. When you start to hear those comments, then you're going to start to hear that internal dialogue that they're having, right? Sometimes you see a little bit more in their behavior when they're acting out. That's when you kind of go, oh, okay, wait a minute, something might be happening. Right, there's a red flag there. Yeah, then there could be a red Mm -hmm. flag. Um, Or, you know, they're resistant to go to school. Um, Or what we try to do with young kids is try to figure out when they're feeling anxious in their body, what does that feel like? So some kids will complain of a tummy ache. Okay, yeah. So what if they're having a tummy ache? Well, what's that about? Oh, my, you know, my chest feels tighter, my tummy hurts, or I don't want to go to school. And we can identify some of those things as their feelings or anxious, and we can start to talk to them. So what do you think about school? What's going on um, at school? Um, and just really try to draw out some of those thoughts. Right. You know? Right. Um, um, because then you can begin to see some of those things that kids are having and the struggles they're having because they're thinking about it. And they might not be recognizing that they're thinking about it. Okay. And then, so let's reiterate for a quick second. So as a parent, I'm looking for and listening for those kinds of doubts that they're having, the things that are even the behaviors like the, the tummy ache and whatever. So at what point then do I identify, okay, my kid is just experiencing what I would call quote unquote normal anxiety over against something that needs to be addressed and I need to do something more serious for my child. Like where's that threshold or or what point do I need to do something and not freak my kid out because and and overreact, but how do I help them uh, determine what's normal and what I'm feeling is normal? But at what point is it not so normal anymore? And they, they need some more help than what I can give them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say um, that, can, that can really depend on the individual and your kids, right? If you think about anxiety on a continuum, and we at one end, say the left side, we have a little bit of anxiety. We all experience a little bit of anxiety. Going back to school, starting the church year, you know, all of these things, getting busy again with work, coming back from holidays, all of those things can create some anxiety. When we are able to 
cope and manage with that feeling that's very normal and identify it, then we can kind of go, okay, I'm stressed a little bit. I need to tweak some things or change some things or, you know, limb things or talk to somebody that my friend or something like that. But as the anxiety, if we move on that continuum and it starts to intensify where kids are not wanting to go to school Mm. and having meltdowns and temper tantrums or they're not coping well in school and teachers are worried about them or concerned about them, then you can investigate some of that and say, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? And even take a simple strategy of trying to write down some thoughts mm. that, that the children are having. Excuse me. And then we, we can begin to identify um, some of those negative internal dialogues that they're having. If it becomes more serious, where you're finding out that they're just not coping at all, or what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, they're not so, coping at all. So I'll use, uh, I can use my son as an example. Okay. So, um, my son, Jesse, and I did receive his permission for this. So, um, he struggled with anxiety. Um, well, he still does, but in high school, it really got, um, to be very severe in grade 11. Um, and I didn't clue into it at the beginning, but then his, um, I'm going to call them meltdowns intensified and he was crying a lot more and we had a couple of days where he just could not get to school because he was so emotional Mm. Um, and then we were on a holiday and he spent the entire holiday in his hotel room Um, and so I'm like what what what's going on you know what's going on and so then I started to talk to him and I began to hear you don't understand mom it's like it's horrible out there, right? It's, um, I always feel like there's this impending doom Mm. that's coming and I can't settle. So then you start to hear some of this and I went, okay, this is more serious than self-esteem or self-esteem is a part of it. Important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Self-esteem is certainly not to be trivialized, but there's more to it Mm. with the anxiety because then he's not getting up and going to school. It's debilitating. It's It's stopping. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it looks like when they're not coping, when they, they can't get themselves up to school or, um, you know, they're crying or they're lashing out or, they're withdrawing. Mm. You know, some kids will just withdraw and spend their time, their entire time in their room on social media. Right, right. You know, um, finding different outlets to cope because they don't have to then deal with whatever is going on. Numbing in, out. I call it in, a, yeah. in the outside world, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Numbing mm-hmm. out would be a really uh, big one, right? Okay. Can you so, actually take that example, the numbing out thing? Like, what are some behaviors then that adults do? Like, if Jesse was on social media and or video gaming, whatever. I don't, I don't know what it was for him, but what, what does that look like in adults then? Oh, same thing with them on the phone, right? You can spend hours surfing Mm. the, the internet, right? Mm. So they're just numbing out on their phone. Um, they could, um, numb out in front of the TV, right? Um, and spend hours in front of the TV, like come home, eat your dinner and not engage with the family because, 
They're just watching TV the entire time. Okay, so then again, in in households, um, if those are some of the behaviors that we're seeing, what do we do as a, a spouse or as a partner? Like, how do we help then our spouse to to recognize the behavior and and to actually do something about it? Because that's sometimes a tricky thing for people, right? To yeah. to get to that point of even wanting to admit that there's a problem, but then doing something about it. So, what would you recommend? Yeah. So so I think one of the things that is key is is communication right and how we communicate with other people um so in this we're looking at um using like active what i would call active listening so engaging with somebody maybe it's your spouse maybe it's a child and say hey i'm beginning to notice something here that's going on right um and i'm wondering if we can talk about it um and and Using active listening in a way that is non-judgmental, that is curious. Um, so you can use the the questions of what, um, what's the reason it might be, where is this going, what are you feeling, that kind of thing, what's going on at school or at work. Um, for those who have a hard time expressing their feelings, like saying what it is, do you have any ideas on how to dial deeper on that? Like how, to, yeah. how do we ask those, those deeper questions again, without making them feel alienated or, or shutting someone down or just really wanting to validate and listen well, like do you have any tips yeah. on that? Um, so there's there's kind of two, three things that I use. And one of those is I messages. When we are communicating, we want to use these I messages that say, this is how I'm feeling, or this is what I'm seeing, or this is what I'm thinking. So tell me a little bit more about what's going on. That's an I message, right? We, we put the responsibility on ourselves, um, which can open up dialogue. When we start using the words you, you are feeling down, you're watching too much TV, you're on social media too much, that immediately puts the defenses up. Yeah, it sounds judgmental. It sounds judgmental, right? right? So we want to use those I messages. And then we want to validate people's feelings. Feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. And they're important. God gave us those feelings because it tells us something about what's going on, right? So if we're anxious, we need to pay attention to that. Right? Why are we anxious? What is going on with me that I am beginning to feel so anxious? Right? Um, I try to avoid the question why, because again, why, when people you hear that why, it, it sparks up that defensiveness. So I like to use the reason, the, the, the question, what's the reason you think this might be? Or what's going on with you right now? When we can become more self aware, and we can understand what's going on with us, that helps us work through whatever we're going through, okay? So starting with when you're, when you're engaging with somebody in your family who is anxious or you're noticing some of these behaviors, it's a good way to start with I. And then when they start to talk about it or they say, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite anxious or I just don't care or whatever it is, validate that and then start to ask the question well what's going on 
you know? What's happening? What's happening in your world? And what's happening with you internally, you know? I'm sure every person's different, but from your experience, like, do you find, find people are, are, are quite willing to go there and quite willing to answer the question? Or does it take a little bit of time to dial down? I think it takes a little bit of time because, mm. of course, we need to trust. Mm. And I think it takes a little bit of time for people to become aware of what's going on with them, mm. right? Um, I also think because we live in a world that is judgy and in a world that is comparing, right, um, we, we do a lot of that comparison. So people are reluctant or hesitant to really kind of say. But once they can feel safe enough and validated, then they begin to um, open up a bit open more. Up a bit more right. Right? right? I think it's Brene Brown that really talks about empathy. And when you can be really empathetic and come alongside that person and be in their world, then that opens up that dialogue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So for parents who are seeing this with their kids and they're becoming anxious, if you can enter into that world, validate what they're feeling, talk about what they're noticing as a parent, right? Um, then that might help, right? Right, right. Mental health is real and it's important. After listening to this podcast, if you would like to find out more about accessing counseling, please contact Shalem Mental Health or Cornerstone Family Counseling Services or Bay Ridge Counseling Center. The website links will be available in the show notes below. Thank you for that, by the way. That's that's really helpful. I'm just wondering, um, because this is a podcast where we talk about complex issues like this, um, and we want to help point people to to faith and to Jesus, or or just wondering, like, do you have any, I'm going to call them spiritual practices, or even even practices uh, that lean into um, helping people connect with God? Like, are there some ways that people who might be experiencing anxiety um, can connect with God? What, what are some things that people could do? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And I think I think one of the things that I would like to say first, that this is not necessarily spiritual practice, but if you can imagine for a minute having this triangle, you know, you put your two fingers and your thumbs together and you create this triangle, and on the top is your thoughts, to the left is your feelings, to the right is your behavior, right? Um, And if you think about this, first of all, when we want to be um, mentally healthy, we want to become aware of what our thoughts, feelings, actions are. So often we run on this hamster wheel in this busyness of stress and anxiety, right? We don't slow down enough to kind of become aware of what we're doing, right? So I like to really point people toward being self-aware. Slow down enough so that you can become aware of those thoughts and feelings. Once we become aware of those thoughts and feelings, and we can do that through just dialogue with other people or writing our thoughts down and kind of going, oh, 
This is what we are all, this is the internal dialogue, right? Because once you write it down, it becomes really real, Mm, right? mm -hmm. If you think that you, I'm going to say suck. I had a client who just came in and kept saying, I suck, I suck right? Well, if you start to write that down and other people see this, you think, whoa, that's really mean, Mm -hmm. right? We don't want to be that mean to other people. Why are we that mean to ourselves? Mm. So we write down those thoughts and we kind of go, oh, is this a helpful thought? Is it helpful to say I suck, right? It's not a helpful thought, right? So we want to be aware of that. And then we can go to God with it and we can say, okay, God, this is what I'm thinking about myself. This is what I'm feeling about myself. And we can turn to prayer and we can confess some of that stuff. But we can also have that dialogue with him yeah. about yeah. that. Um, so and once, some awareness that it's not true. Right. Yeah. So then when we can do that, we can hear that and say, this is, this is a lie that the enemy is building on. Right. So we want to look at that. That's a that's a key thing. So then we want to go into practices like um, I know Leslie uh, Van Milligan, I think her name was. She talked a little bit about lamenting. So maybe we have to do some lamenting. Maybe we have to uh, do some journaling with God in prayer about um, how we feel. That's creating the anxiety. Right. Or or what we're thinking. Um Maybe it's putting on some worship music and humming. If we talk about anxiety and the physical implications of anxiety, um, there is a physical impact. So humming and singing and um, worship music has been known to calm that anxiety down. Okay? I had an incident once where I was in driving and I was listening to the news and I started to become very anxious. My thoughts went from zero to a hundred very, very quickly. I had to stop it, begin to pray and then put music on because I got so distracted by this negative thinking Mm. that it, it started to make me very anxious. So I immediately started to put worship music on and sing and that was a good spiritual... Um, focus other than focusing on the anxiety and the negative internal dialogue. Right, 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 right. Um, I think another thing with, uh, if, I, if I may say, just talk about, when we talk about that awareness, we want to slow it down, being mindful and grounding ourselves um, with our environment around us can really also help us tune into God focus on him, but also center ourselves um, in, a, in a manner that's, that's calmer, right? So that we can just kind of interrupt that hamster wheel of anxiety. So when we talk about grounding or mindfulness, it might be taking um, a five-minute walk, putting your bare feet on the grass, feeling the grass, thinking about how God created grass, you know, touching a tree and looking up into the tree and just paying attention to God's creation. Using more of your senses. Using more of your senses to ground you into that faith and that time. Now, I know life is really busy and you think, what? That's weird, right? (laughs) But it might even be just taking five minutes to go on to your deck 
and looking around and paying attention. That's slowing down enough and being mindful rather than zoning out on your phone, getting distracted, and then rushing around because I have no time, right? Okay. So it's like taking those pauses to pay attention to creation, to God, different things. So what's the difference between taking five minutes to pay attention to God and creation over against five minutes on your phone. Like there's still a five minute break. So what's the difference? Oh, because I, 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 my experience with being on the phone is you get lost in the social media and that can fuel your anxiety. I see. I see. Okay. Right. It's a complete distraction. Now it might be fine for a few minutes, but five minutes turns into half an hour and then you're rushing to get out the door. Right. 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 Um, it's not slowing down to pay attention, to be aware of who you are. Social media is a distraction when you can take five minutes to notice your environment and your world that's slowing down to become mindful and aware. And the more self-aware we become, the more we are aware of that internal dialogue and our negative thinking Mm -hmm. that causes our anxiety, we can become responsive to our world rather than reactive. I see. Okay, good. Thanks for the clarity. Yeah, that helps a lot. I want to pick up one more thing that you talked about for a second, because you're talking about self-awareness. What's the connection then between self-awareness and your identity? Oh, okay. So you know what? I I brought along this identity in Christ, this piece of paper, and I, I have a list of all these scripture verses that talk about who we are in Christ. So when we can become aware, self-aware, and it, we, we recognize the negative internal dialogue. So if we have this internal dialogue that says, I suck, I'm not good enough at school, I can't do math, um, I don't have any friends. I'm not um, pretty enough, not I'm pretty not tall enough. enough not yes, <laughs> yeah. all of those things we become aware of that negative internal dialogue, aware that they are the lies that this world's feeding us, that the enemy can feed us, and we can slow down and become aware and kind of go, wait a minute, let's reframe this, because my identity is in Christ, mm. right? This is who I am. I am a child of God, right? Remember when you, you had your sermon and you were talking about who are you really, mm. really, really? Mm-hmm. When we look at this, I am really, really a child of God. Mm. You know, I am beloved. He delights in me. He makes um, music and sings music over me, you know. Mm. Um, he has called me by his righteous right name. He upholds me. He gets me out of the muck and mire and puts my right. feet on solid right. ground. Right? Those are the things that are truth, that are helpful, that can build us up and in turn that turns the volume down on the anxiety on the, on the negative on yes the, the, yes how many say that again that quote oh, how many thoughts that was unbelievable six thousand thoughts a day a day according to this study at queen's university and the national foundation of um mental health i think or something um six thousand thoughts a day probably even more 80% are negative. Wow. 80%. So mm-hmm. if I do quick math, what is that? Lots. <laughs> 4,800 thoughts are negative, yeah. right? So why are we not allowing Christ's voice to be the louder one, mm-hmm. right? So 
if we are struggling with anxiety, you know, sort of draw that line, this, this connection, right? We're struggling with anxiety. We slow down enough to be self-aware. When we can be self-aware and identify those negative thoughts, and we can say, these aren't helpful. These are lies. This is causing this anxiety that I don't want to live in. Um, I need to look at the scripture that says, I'm a child of God. I'm accepted. I'm secure. Here's the truth. Here's what yeah. the truth is right. about who God is. Right. Right? right. And when we can do the practices of mindfulness and prayer and grounding, then we become aware of and tune into who God is and who God is in us. Okay. One, actually, I have two more questions, but okay. <laughs> I want to, I want to ask, like, I'm going to call it a bit of a follow-up about someone who is anxious over against someone who has, a, I would say like a, like an anxiety disorder. Cause there's a difference between the two, I think. And I'm just wondering if you can help us out with that. Yes. What's the difference between the two? Good question. Yeah. So if we go back to our continuum where we have anxiety, where we might be able to cope, cope a little bit, it's still stressful. When we have a generalized anxiety disorder, this is on the far end of the continuum, that's very different than our anxiety that we can experience because of daily life. Generalized anxiety disorders are ones that are um, diagnosed by a psychiatrist. And there's certain criteria in this, it's called the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So they look at certain criteria with that. And they look at frequency, they look at intensity, um, they look at your coping, um, they look at duration. And generalized anxiety is something that is pervasive over your entire life. So we might be anxious about going to school or about our peers or one area of our life. But when we have generalized anxiety, one, we're not coping well anymore at all. Mm. Right. Like we're we're maybe becoming addicted to drugs or alcohol or using other things to numb out. Right. That's what happens with generalized anxiety disorder. And it's it's it infiltrates our entire life. Mm, okay. okay. And so a, a psychiatrist will look at that and they will diagnose with intensity, duration, frequency over a period of time. That's very different than our feelings of anxiety, anxiety that we right, have. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. If um, there's a household or someone who's listening to the podcast and they think, yeah, I, I'm getting to that point, or I, there's someone in my household that is experiencing that, where can they go? Like, what do people do in order to access uh, counseling or, or help? Or, you know, what, what could they do? Yeah, so um, one of the things they can first of all do, if they know nothing and they have no connections to anything, you can Google Christian counseling, mm-hmm. and a number of places will pop up. I know here at Clearview, we are connected to Shalane Mental Health. Um, We have the ability to offer free counseling through the program that we have with Shalane. Um, I believe that's six sessions, so we can access that. You can call Shalane Mental Health. Um, It might be if you don't want to go the route of counseling just yet, talk to a friend and say, this is what I'm thinking. Um, counseling doesn't have to be this big, scary thing where I have to have this disorder right, yes. or I have to be struggling with my mental. 
my mental health to the fact that I'm, I'm in bed and can't leave the house kind of thing. That's not what it's about. If you just want to become more aware of who you are and how you are coping and you want better coping strategies and say, I'm not, I'm just not doing well with it then call somebody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Check out, uh, you know, I belong to Cornerstone Family Counseling. You can Google that one. We have a website. Shalane Mental Health has a website. Um, there are other private Christian counselors that you can have, or you can go to something like Catholic Family Services. If you don't have the funding, they can offer uh, fee reductions. And you can ask for Christian counselors. Right, right. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. Because I think sometimes people think you're right, that they have to have this great big grand problem. Uh, but really, it's actually, it's meant just for helpful yes. coaching tips and ways to yeah. become more self-aware and, and, and get in touch. So thank, thanks for that, too. That's can, really good. Can I just add a personal of thing course. to that? Yeah, yeah. So when I was in school at Tyndale and studying for this, they really encouraged us to go. And I'm like... I don't need to go for counseling. I don't have any issues. But I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go because they're encouraging me to go. And at first it was really, I was really nervous about it. But I so enjoyed it because I really became much more aware of who I was Mm -hmm. and my way of sort of this automatic functioning Mm -hmm. where I was reacting to things rather than slowing down enough to respond. So you found it helpful? I found it hugely helpful for my own personal growth. Wow. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, maybe I'll give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've got one last question. In this complex world that we live in, there's, admittedly, there's so much pressure, so much anxiety and stress. What is one thing you think our listening audience should hold on to from our conversation? Oh, that's a good question. Um... I think the key piece for me um, when you're dealing with anxiety is you want to slow down and recognize it's okay. It's okay that you're struggling with anxiety because there are ways to manage this. If we can slow down enough and kind of go, I'm not crazy, this is what's happening, I understand now, I just want to become more self-aware, I want to figure out... um, who I am in Christ. It's not because I don't trust Christ enough. It's not because I don't have enough faith. It's something that's happening right now to you, and you want to slow down and become self-aware. So good. Well, thank you so much for this rich and wonderful conversation, Ev. Thanks for the ways that you've blessed many people, helping them navigate complicated situations and circumstances with your wise questioning and counsel. Thanks so much. Oh, you're most welcome. It was a real privilege. Thanks. Thanks for listening in and joining us at the Faith Matters Podcast, where we are exploring everyday faith in a complex world. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And if you get a chance, leave us a review there. Faith Matters podcast is a ministry of Clearview Church, and we are here to help everyone take their next step in following Jesus. And so if we can serve you in any way, jump on our website at www.clearviewchurch.com. My name is Phil Reinders. I'm lead pastor at Clearview Church. Until next time, friends.